I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We are again joined by the Joel Stabile. Yes. How's it going? Hey, Joel. Welcome back. Oh, it's good to be back. Last time I introduced Joel as the one, if I'm putting my money on anyone who has done more Enneagram training this year than anyone else on earth, my money's on Joel, who consumes somewhere in the neighborhood of what, nine to 10 hours a, a day of, of editing content? <laughs> it's a good chunk. <laughs> we we joked about last time because I'm editing right now the uh, Enneagram boot camp, and yeah. I didn't get to do that this weekend because we had the contemplative cohort. Yeah. which because of COVID, we had to live stream. So, you know, had to be attentive to that and couldn't kind of disappear. But now we are we're back on it. You know, we got a new podcast out today and got a new schedule of uh, things to release coming up. So, yes, plen- I get to listen to more Enneagram teaching than anyone in the United States, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> if you don't know, Joel's mom is a master Enneagram teacher named Suzanne Stabile. And... That and yes, that's something. the, <laughs> she's the, I love, I, I ran with it since the day it happened. Rachel Cruz, is that her name? Is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it, Dave Ramsey's. Dave Ramsey's kid. daughter. She called her the Enneagram Godmother when we interviewed her. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, that is the perfect name. Yep. Like nickname for you. Yeah. And we've yeah. run with it ever since. So yeah, it she's works. the Enneagram Godmother and you want to talk about just the reason why she's so great at it, there are other twos in the world, of course, mm-hmm. and there are other people that are into relationships, and there are other people that are into the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. She has the perfect gifts of all three, of the, and desire, and interest, and everything around all three of those things, being a two, the Enneagram, and relationships, to just make it all work. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to it's fun to just watch her do her thing. Yeah. So. Strikes me as just a very unique teacher. It's it's so uncommon. I'm I'm surrounded by academics. My my wife is a university professor. I, I taught at the university for twelve years. I'm surrounded by people who do systems and content. But when you find somebody who engages their discipline with wisdom first, I don't see that person very often. And your mom always strikes me as that person, and TJ strikes me as that person. TJ has no systems, all wisdom. I do it. Does again. that work as a compliment? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I sure. meant that as a, as a, I don't know what I meant that as. I meant that as kind of a joke, but it, uh, that's the thing I love about both, uh, both the always. Yeah. It's, it's just like, man, you can't, you can't read that in a book. You, you either are able to see how reality works, how the person functions, or you can't. Right. Well, hey, we are doing our deep dive into Villainous Sevens. Any, uh, let's do the quick word again on uh, just what, what does it mean, TJ, to have a villainous seven, and then we're going to jump back into the dark night and talking about the Joker. 
Yeah, so uh, this is the second part of our Villainous 7 conversation, and uh, we've talked a lot about how 7s, when they are secure, when they are sort of in the groove, uh, like things are going well and they know what they're doing, they can move to a 5 space and pick up some of the qualities that you get at 5. And as we always say, you can do this in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. And we believe that when you go there in an unhealthy way, that's where villainy happens. And so an unhealthy seven moving to security becomes a bad person. And that bad person usually looks like someone who leans into nihilism, someone who is disconnected from other people, someone who is looking for the still from the seven motivation of looking for opportunity and and fullness of experience uh but now bringing in some of the five characteristics of objectivity or at least perceived objectivity and withholding in some of those five ways and and the picture that you can start to build is essentially an agent of chaos bang do you have anything to add to that Joel on the talking about the low side of security for sevens here's i think the big key in the idea of the joker being a seven on that low side shadow side of five is uh fives when people disagree with them about their thought about their plans and their thought Mm -hmm. that their feelings get hurt because their feelings are tied to those plans and thoughts Ooh. Yeah, so that, well, okay, so if we're going to talk about the centers of intelligence, fives are thinking dominant, and the feeling supports the thinking, and so they have thoughts, like that everything is thinking, 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 taking in all the information with thoughts, and planning, and gathering information, mm-hmm. and then finding their identity in that, and so they tie their feelings to that information that they have now gathered, and so on the low side, and I just at five in general, I don't think it's low or high or negative or positive. When someone disagrees with them, they take it personally. Mm-hmm. Does that manifest as anything other than frustration? I think it de- depends on the level of health. It can yeah, manifest sure. at, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of what we're talking to today with the Joker. Yeah. But yeah, that's more than frustration, what he's doing. Uh, <laughs> but it, it can be frustration it but it also can be hurt and you know that i think that's the big thing when we talk about i am not a i'm not the one to talk to about understanding feelings but i do understand the times that i have thought that i had a great idea and i've got all the logic around why it's such a great idea and then people have shot it down and then my mm. feelings have been hurt mm. because my feelings were tied to the idea yeah. I think that's the low side of five. There's an isolation for the Joker where nobody's going to tell him that his ideas are bad. He's by himself and is able to control everyone who serves him. Yeah. Well, except except for where we're going today. Yeah, talk about that. Well, I'm, well, I'm not so sure that that's necessarily accurate, though. Like Like thinking of even that very first scene, people tell him that his ideas are crazy all the time throughout the Not people the that he movie. respects, though. That's true. But like it, it seems like that's that's always the moment that gets him. Mm. People say, you know, throughout every joke, again, that's the go-to line. You're crazy. Like mm-hmm. that's the big, you know, easy grab. Mm-hmm. And he always dismisses it because he knows he's not crazy. Right. But 
what we see in this movie and in every interaction with Batman is he, do, he Batman uh, does he ever call him crazy? It's more like your scum. Yeah, it's kind of language. And, and why? Mm-hmm. Like Batman's like, why yeah. are you doing this? And this, yeah. you know, all a million people are gonna die. Yeah, Joker yada, pushes yada. into it and will say, "You're talking like them. You're not like them." Yeah, like, we're it, different. We we have a different crew. We have a different what community going on between us and potentially it, others. Nobody respects Batman more than Joker. Ooh, hmm. right. And so when Batman challenges, though, when Batman actually shows him how he's wrong, so we'll we'll get to it. But with the boats, mm-hmm. his feelings are hurt. Like he takes it personally hmm. when he when he is wrong about his theological concepts on mm-hmm. mankind and mm-hmm. on Gotham. He takes that personally because his feelings are tied to his thoughts and his uh, the work that he's done in his head. Hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the people that calls the Joker crazy is this in- is actually the first scene that we're going to hit, which is where uh, we see the Joker has piled up a uh, seemingly like a billion dollars of cash. It's like 30 feet tall in an abandoned, you know, warehouse. And uh, the Chechen shows up and the first thing out of his mouth is, No, so crazy as you look. And he's on, the Joker's up on top of this pile of money, Lao. This is really important. Lau is in a chair tied up on top of the money, which I didn't realize that Lau's uh, fate is going to be decided here soon. Um, but he's up on top of that money pile. Yeah, they don't and really the, focus on that part at all. <laughs> right? Yeah. He, Lau is the most tertiary character of all time. Like He's <laughs> a part true. of it, but he's also not. And. It's just one of the it's it's one of those very easily dismissible he's terrifying to normal people and yet to the supervillains and superheroes. Just a pawn. Yeah? Yeah. I told you I'm a man of my word. Joker jumps down from the pile. Where's the Italian? And the Russian mobster <laughs> pulls out a cigar and lights it. Wait. Don't go to my what you do with all your money? By the way, this is a great callback to the intro, which I hadn't caught. He, the Chechen says, "More money for us," just like the 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 bank robbers mm-hmm. do when they're shooting each other. Anyway, I, I hadn't caught that. Joker says, "You see, I'm a guy of simple taste. I enjoy uh, dynamite, gunpowder." And gasoline starts having its henchmen pour gas on the cash. And the Chechen is reacts to this and moves forward. And you know the thing that they have in common? They're cheap. Oh, yeah. And the Joker takes a cigar and he says, I'm only burning my half. Crazy plans. You got thoughts on this? My part is that it's all planned out. Mm-hmm. You think about that it's here are the facts, here are my thoughts on it, and it's void of feeling. He is. Uh, he seems real secure here. He's adventurous still, jumping down the pile of cash. He's going to burn it all. It's going to be a great time. He has very different values than everybody when, around him. Yeah, and that could that 
very well could be excess of seven. Talk about excess of seven. We haven't done that yet. When talking about excess, would you define that? Because it's not a term I normally use, but I've heard it a handful of times. I love Suzanne's teaching on excess. You know, the whole, the Enneagram doesn't work. Enneagram work doesn't happen without non-judgmental self-observation. Mm-hmm. When you're void of that, when a human being, when I am void of that, I'm going to slide before I ever get to stress, before I ever move to security, I'm going to go into excess in my number. And thank God for the Enneagram that we can make some sort of move, low or high. Again, the movement to stress saves us. You know, people die in excess in their number. Mm. So what you just described there with the Joker of the joy he's having and the fun and, you know, that, that is excess where it's not funny to anyone else. If you're seven and you've been in that position where you've been laughing because you did something that was so hysterical, but no one else is laughing, mm-hmm. you're probably in excess of your number. Hmm. And so when I think any time that the Joker is really relishing what he's done, the joy, the the outcome of his plans, mm-hmm. that is, I think that's excess seven, where it just really down down deep in it. Yeah. We hear there, Teach. Well, I, I would even take it a step further because of his villainy. I think he's also relishing in other people seeing his excess. So like like particularly the fact that he's burning all of that money. If he legitimately like straight up did not care, he would just get rid of it all. But he invited people to this space to watch him burn it. Money that he just took from them. Yeah, I I agree. And I think we talked earlier about introverted and extroverted. Mm -hmm. But that is seven extroverted sevens, which I think if we were just to put a percentage on it, the majority of sevens are extroverted. Mm. They want the they want the light on themselves and and good or bad. Mm. Like I can think back to times as a child where I just wanted attention. Hmm. but not the way a child, you know, every child wants attention, but like I wanted attention and, and it let's, let's make it big. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's how you got the attention that you could. Yeah. yeah I don't think that uh, I've mentioned sports radio 96.7 or 1310, the ticket here yet today <laughs> or in our last conversation. This is apparently a big thing though in Dallas. Yeah. Dude, it, the <laughs> ticket is the greatest. I can't ever talk about that enough. So, uh, you know, they've got a, a joke, you know, make it big. And that is like the seven, that mm. would be the seven shirt, introverted yeah. or extroverted. Mm. Yeah. Make it big. Yeah. You know, all the things around go big or go home. No, that's what um, I love. I love Kevin Na, uh, the golfer. He does this thing. He walks in the putt. When he makes a putt. Sure. Before he gets in the hole, he goes to pick it up out of the hole. Mm. Sure. I love that more than, oh my gosh, it is the Confidence. greatest. Yeah. Dude, just the whole, I, everything about it, it's make it show. big. Yeah. Don't just yeah. make the putt, uh, but go pick show. it up before it goes in the hole. Yeah. Any competitive game that I do, I want to be a showman about it. And I think that is the nature of a seven. And I think we're seeing the low side of that here with the Joker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that he's a showman about what he's doing. Yeah. 
I know we did talk about this in the last one. I I don't remember okay. what the Joker did, but you did mention like like when you're making dinner, you're you're going to talk about it being the best dinner that's ever been. And if it's not, yeah. then oh well. If it is though, you nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. Shoot the basket and while the ball is midair, go ahead and start heading down the court with the Dirk fingers in the air. Right. Three-pointer was made. And if you miss it, no big deal. Who cares? Right. But if you make it, you look awesome. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great window into the heart of this scene because everyone thinks the Joker is crazy because he doesn't value what they value. And they clearly value the money. And he's going to talk about that here in a second. He values the show and the enjoyment of the experience. And obviously he goes a more psychopathic route at times, or at least a highly murderous, destructive route at times. He has set everything up to, this is, this is real common for really depraved people that they are going to execute the beloved of their antagonist in front of them before they kill the antagonist. You know, Hmm. here are the people you care about and I murder them before. So that's the last thing you see before you're killed. And that's what he does to the Chechen. But the the Chechen doesn't care about anybody, but he cares about the money. Hmm. The money actually is his beloved. And he's going to burn this massive pile of cash so that the, the this villain can feel anguish before he cuts him up and feeds him to his own dogs. And there's a, that like just the the intensity of experience there and the showmanship, the planning that takes place. He knows exactly what he's gonna do. And he says to to him, All you care about is money. This town deserves a better class of criminal. And I'm gonna give it to him. Tell your men they work for me now. This is my city. Which of course he's not going to, and the Chechen says, It won't work. Why don't we cut you up into little pieces and feed you to your pooches? Hmm? And then we'll see how loyal a hungry dog really is. And then the money line for me, for him, from from the Joker is here. It's he's he's punching uh, numbers into a phone, but he says, "Not about money. It's about sending a message." And he repeats something Alfred said. Everything burns. And one of the things that's obviously burning is Lao on top of the pile. Ah, it's such a great scene. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> um, any, any thoughts on, on that? Suzanne and Joe often reference, I think it's Brian McLaren, who says, what you focus on determines what you miss. Hmm. And everyone else, when everyone is focused on the money, they're missing everything else that's going on. Right. <laughs> and that's all the villains in this, except for the Joker. They're all focused on the money. Lau and the entire mob, and to the point, the police force. And the they're Batman. All, the Batman yeah. says criminals aren't complicated, Alfred. We just need to know what, what he wants. Right. They're, and because they're all focused on the money. That's and the, it. And the Joker's not focused on the money. That's it. And so everyone is missing what he is aiming at. Hmm. Mm. And so I think this illustrates that. And I think it illustrates his uh, level of impatience and frustration with everyone else. Hmm, I think yeah. we're getting to the point where he's, he's now, he is now bored by the mob. Yep. He is now frustrated that the Batman is not caught up with the plan. Mm-hmm. And I think that is all coming to a head in this scene. I love that, that he's mm-hmm. bored 
is his plans are changing because he's bored. I was going to expose the Batman, but this is a new play thing that's way more fun than ripping off mm. mobsters. Yeah. I think it, it to me it also displays the sort of disconnection like like sevens are in that that space where they are feeling repressed but when they move to five there's an extra level of disconnection there um fives mm. having uh, representing that that sort of objectivity and and here he is trying to elevate more interesting criminality like all they've been doing for years is stockpiling cash like that's that's what their focus is and it's it's boring like there's there's so much especially now that the batman is here there's so many more interesting ways to be a criminal and th- just doing the money thing is it's it's easy it's boring it's 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 simple but not in the easy way it's it's simple as in like almost like simple minded well, I think it, it that talks to, I, I love what you just said right there and that it illustrates, you know, me for a seven, I cannot do the same thing over and over every day. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone seven that can. Right. And that's all the mob is. It, exactly. When you're talking about, okay, well, what do we do to make money and just how do we churn money? Right. You know, the then then that doesn't work. The thing that hit me on this is that the low side of five always strikes me as more of a nihilistic posture of mind and heart. And as he is adventurous, the target is a nihilistic target. Everything burns. I want to show you that everything burns. I'm going to help you to know that not only can I burn everything, but I can get all these people to burn each other. And there's a, there's a, just a degree of everything's meaningless and there is an aggressive expression of that as opposed to a withdrawn expression of that. Hmm. It's a, like common for fives to just withdraw and just say, well, nothing matters. But here it's nothing matters. And so I'm going to, I'm going to blow everything up because nothing matters. That was my take on, on the low side here. Hmm. Yeah. So one other thing, and I think for sevens, and when we talk about going into the excess of seven, so I think this is uh, more on seven excess than low side of five, but it is the experience versus the material. Mm-hmm. Sevens are all about the experience. Mm. Like the number of times that I've said in my life, I don't, you know, I don't care about the money, whether, whether I have it or don't have it, mm-hmm. or someone else has it or do- doesn't have it. It's about the experience. I, um, I love giving gifts that are something that me and the other person are going to do. Mm-hmm. And I hate the obligation. I die every time I give someone a gift card. I die a little bit inside. <laughs> <laughs> because it, and I think that is what the Joker is displaying here. Mm-hmm. It's, oh my gosh, this is, it's money. It burns. It is tangible, worth nothing once it's lit on fire. Mm-hmm. And experience cannot be taken from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is something that you can hold and have and do, and it, it's a part of you. And I think that he's taking that to the most twisted, awful side. Mm. Is there is there something about the laser focus of a five that this uh, that he's engaging there? It's like once you come to that conclusion, the monkey mind in some ways is turning off. And it's like, no, this is the thing that I really want to do. I think, man, I think so. 
what I keep coming back to about fives is that that they withdraw with purpose. Mm. They don't just withdraw. I think nines and fours withdraw for multiple reasons. Fives pull back with a plan, and then they go on that plan until it's seen seen through to their satisfaction. Mm. So when he when he pull, when he has a plan in mind, it isn't there is no distraction, especially and that's the the stubbornness of a seven combined yeah. with the headiness of a five. That moves real cleanly into the next scene, which is him picking up the phone, calling into the talk show and saying, I had a vision of a world without Batman. The mob ground out a little profit and the police tried to shut them down one block at a time. And it was so boring. I've had a change of heart. I don't want Mr. Reese spoiling everything, but why should I have all the fun? Let's give someone else a chance. If Coleman Reese isn't dead in 60 minutes, then I blow up a hospital. That's withdrawing. He is unleashing chaos and taking a big step back, but he, is, he has done it intentionally in, in the way that I, I would... That seemed to be, to be an overlap. Sure. There's a... Everything was so boring. I want everybody else to get involved in this adventure also going on here, which strikes it's me a curveball. He, he, you know, um, I wonder if a seven is the person that was bored with Uno the way Uno was played, and they're like, you know what, we need to throw in the new wild card. Sure, we need, you know, you know, this game has gotten boring. It yeah. was fun while it lasted. Now I'm bored, and now here's the wild card. And it involves you. Like, other people have to get involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is the, you know, both good and bad. I think the calling card of sevens, that they want other people to get in on their enjoyment. Yeah. So uh, when you're the Joker, all right, man, it's time to spice this up. This has gotten boring. Let's get some other people involved. You know, again, it's all heady and ultimatums, and it's part of the game. Mm -hmm. So now... How do we keep the game going? Yeah. Spice it up. Keep the game going. Involve other people. Make me happy. Let's do it. Mm. And let's and let's just see what happens. Yeah. And no matter what happens, he will have an answer at the end of it. Guaranteed. Well, and it's part of like the sowing chaos goes hand in hand with bringing other people along. Like if he's if he's just doing chaotic things, then he doesn't necessarily have to have to involve other people but if he's intentionally sowing chaos if he's making everything around him chaotic then he has to get other people involved in that and that's part of his whole mo like that's the thing with the boats that's the thing with killing this guy reese like like you have to get other people involved and it also further shows it it furthers his mo of raising the stakes with the batman like batman changed everything and the mob is boring now and we need to get everyone to a level of crazy well i think what you just talked to again was the showmanship aspect of it yeah you know i last night played battleship with my daughter and when i had it all figured out i i deleted it you know, at any let's let's go ahead and bring some reality into this. The Joker could go find Batman and kill Batman anytime he wanted. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that's not again. That's not the goal. Right. So last night playing Battleship with her, I had it sewed up in one, <laughs> and 
I, so I told her, I was, I was, and I hate to compare myself to the villainous Joker here, but it is that showmanship and extending the game and hype, you know, and giving when you have the upper hand the other side that opportunity. And so, you know, I said to her, like, I had, I knew where her last ship was. So I was like, listen, you basically, you get four guesses. And I even posted on Instagram. I was like, here, you know, I said a thing about when you've got your victim and you know the game's over. And, you know, this is why I became a parent. Well, Joker's doing that, except I hope my daughter thought it was funny. So that's all that matters. But, you know, Joker's taking that exact same mentality, though, and that same concept to the next level. Mm-hmm. So I assume that's like a cat and mouse thing. The cat knows it has the mouse, but wants to, doesn't want to be bored. Wants to, wants to play for a minute longer. Wants to move it along. Yeah. This, I assume it's the case that the Joker could easily destroy Gotham if the Joker wanted to. Way and more you fun. Blow to up get a the, hospital. Yeah, well, right, but it's ma- way more fun to get Harvey Dent to to blow up Gotham, to get the people on the boats to blow up Gotham. If I can, if I can not be, we'll get to the the line where Batman thinks the Joker, what he's he's alone in his psychosis, and he wants to prove that he's not alone. We'll get to that actually in a minute, but. Um, this brings us to the hospital scene. The getting Harvey Dent involved is just like getting the boat people involved, just like getting the people of Gotham involved in killing uh, Coleman Reese. It's all let me just unleash the the chaos. And obviously, there's there's chaos in the hospitals because they've heard that uh, there might be bombs. And a, and we watch uh, one scene where a cop has lost his partner. He goes looking for him. He runs through the the halls. He goes into this. One room, and there's a very pretty redhead who is working on a chart, turns around, and all of a sudden she has some clown paint on and, and a <laughs> pistol, and she shoots the cop. And there's, did you guys see Cape Fear? Where uh, there's a scene in Cape Fear where, same, same movie trope here, where uh, the murderer is dressed with the wig. Mm. I feel like I've but seen Cape Fear, but it's been tur- a long time. <laughs> tur- anyway, turns around, and, and you're like, oh no! It's the murderer. But <laughs> the Joker sallies up to Dent's bed, and we've seen Dent before, and then he has his half of his face has been burned off, and he awakens to see the Joker and starts struggling. His hands have been cuffed to the side because he keeps picking at his face. Hi. You know, I don't want there to be any hard feelings between us, Harvey. When you and uh, Rachel, Rachel! Rachel were being abducted, I was sitting in Gordon's cage. You know, I, I didn't rig those charges. Your man, your plan. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Joel, does, does the Joker have a plan? He does. What? Uh... <laughs> so Suzanne's teaching on Sevens uh-huh. is that they're charming. Mm. And that's how they get that's how they get out of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so from a young age, they're charming, and so they say things like that. Yeah. Uh I like Joe my sister Joey. They think that their son, uh, Sam, is a seven. And her word for it is disarming. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is what's happening right there. He he wants something. And so he turns on the charm. Yeah. 
That's excellent. You got that seat. I I also think that like we we talked about Monkey Mind a few minutes ago and um some of this like like the idea of him having a plan. I think he is very adaptable. I think he has a plan and anytime something changes that plan, he goes with it. And I think that's that's part of the the seven monkey mind is that he is willing to pivot wherever the plan will go to continue on towards his actual goal. So I don't know that he intended for, I, I don't think he wanted Harvey Dent to live, but the fact that Harvey Dent lived meant that he could do something with Harvey Dent. I think that speaks to what you talked about earlier, Jeff, of the the focus mm-hmm. of the five. Mm-hmm. You combine that with the tenacity and the want and desire of the seven and just going down that down that lane. And then we combine that the whole fact that sevens are thinkers and then doers. Mm-hmm. So there's adjustments made. Yeah. People that do first don't adjust well when the curveball is thrown. But they think, and so then they're, all right, well, let's roll with it. And I'm still keeping, staying focused on the end game of what I want and where I'm going. And the five part of the five aspect of what I'm trying to prove, that's a big deal. Sevens, if Joker was still, if he was just in sevenness, it would just all be excess. It would all be fun. It'd be all be games. It'd be all be chaos for the sake of chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, for... S's and giggles, but he, the, I think the low side of five is I'm trying to prove this point. Mm-hmm. He I, knows something about humanity and I'm, he's trying to prove exactly. it to people. Yeah. And I've got to do that. And until I do that, I won't rest. Yeah. And that is where he is stuck there in that space. Mm. Just as a total side note, the, the thing that strikes me here is that the, the seven more than any other number can ride the chaos because they're so future focused that being able to play out all the dominoes that they see quickly into the future for him, it's like, I'm going to create chaos so that I can get ahead and, and navigate it better than anyone else. And it's a great deal of fun watching everything fall apart. Do y'all think there's a more adaptable number than sevens? I think threes are going to be real close for different reasons though. Yeah. But I mean, just as far as, Man, something I, something comes up. Okay, let's let's roll with the change. The thing with threes is they're going to be constrained by other people's opinions, and so sevens may be more adaptable in that they don't have have that one extra limitation. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm no three, but I don't think the Joker is uh, worried about success. What does success look like? Mm-hmm. He just wants to prove this one point. Mm-hmm. No matter if the Batman had killed him in the first minute of the movie, he would have felt successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're at this other, we're where we are and in every Joker Batman epic <laughs> across the whole spectrum. What's interesting on this front is that in the dialogue that the Joker has with Dent, he begins mocking the schemers and this is a Enneagram buzzword for sevens. I'm real curious how this plays out, but he says, you know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. You know, I just do things. The mob has plans. The cops have plans. Gordon's got plans. 
They're schemers. Schemers trying to control their little worlds. I'm not a schemer. I try to show the schemers how pathetic their attempts to control things really are. So, when I say, uh, come here. When I say that you and your girlfriend was nothing personal, you know that I'm telling the truth. It's the schemers that put you where you are. You were a schemer. You had plans. And uh, look where that got you. I just did what I do best. I took your little plan and I turned it on itself. Schemer, schemer, schemer. I would love to hear what you see there. You're the Anagram one. <laughs> what? what do you? I think I think scheme is just. I mean, it's a it's a comic book phrase. Like who uses the word scheme nowadays? Okay, sure. So it's a comic book phrase for uh, the plan. It is you had you had a plan for this, and all these people that have plans and then get tied to the plan. Well, it, all it takes is one screw in the gears to mess oh, that all up. One tiny itty bitty screw. Yeah. And look where your plans got you now. Plan, control, more importantly, order. Yeah. It, I we see. just talked about adapting. Yeah. He's saying none of you can adapt. You all have your plans, your cookie. You know, it, it, it's almost, you know, you've got your white picket fence and you go to school, then you go to college, then you do this. And then that means you will get, that means you will get this spouse. And so, yeah. and that is not the way it works. He's, right. So, not only is he taking on Batman, but now he's adapting it to taking on just the aspect of here's the way that life should be, and the way that life is for the the haves and have-nots. Yeah, the people that have that. It's like you do this, you do this, you get this. That's the plan. Stick to the plan, and we're happy. I'll tell you what. This is why I phrased it the way that I did. In, tradi- in some traditionalists, the fixation of sevens is scheming. And so my my initial impression here was that he, in security, can actually judge that element of his sevenness because now he's transcended it somehow. He hasn't transcended it in a healthy way because he's, he's focused in this way. I like what you're saying there, though. It's This is actually a ridicule of the patterns and methods of a culture that he doesn't value. Yeah. I mean, oh, my gosh, it's Dent. The guy was DA. He's the next mm-hmm. going to be the next mayor. You know, I mean, the and, and the way, again, that's why I'm sorry, I didn't mean to poke fun, but Jeff, the, no. the way a one would see it of you do this, then you do this. Mm-hmm. Once you achieve that, mm-hmm. then you will get this. And because you just by justice, mm-hmm. you have done these things, mm-hmm. you will be at this point. And yeah. that's the ladder that he's climbed. I think there mm-hmm. is a, when we talk about sevens being future focused, well, threes and eights are future focused also, but they're all focused on different points in the future. Mm-hmm. So when you think of it, if we're going to go with these seven, just way deep in it. He is focused on just this one point and he doesn't care. So there's point A where we are and there's point B and there's everything in between. He doesn't care what happens in between. He just wants to get to his point to, to point B eights. They are going to do it their way. The everything in between matters to them. It has to be done that way. And threes care about the whole part of it. 
Mm-hmm. It needs to be done this way, and we need to get there. I, and I'm focused on how we do that. Mm-hmm. He he's not focused on that in between part. So he, the Joker is where he is. He wants to prove his point, and everything in between doesn't matter. Mm. It, it it makes it better for seven for there if, for it to be a journey. Yeah, yeah. You know, for how boring would that be? <laughs> Talking as a seven to have this idea of oh man. Let's achieve this in 12 months. And then here's how we need to do it. And then everything to fall right into place. What? What was that? All right. Well, I guess anybody could have done this. (laughs) Especially if the target is to show everyone how meaningless life is. Because that's where he's going to go next. He's going to hand a gun to Harvey Dent. And it says to him, Introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order. And everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. Oh, and you know the thing about chaos? It's fair. And he pushes Dent, and Dent begins flipping a coin, which is a great image of meaninglessness. There's no intention or purpose there. It's, it's however the coin flip goes. And of all things, TJ and I just did a podcast on Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men, who likewise does the same thing. It's allowing the coin flip. And he, we typed Chigurh as a five, and he, the Joker, has pushed Dent into that space where justice isn't real anymore. It's just coin flips. It's like you've abandoned your entire principle. Any ordering of the universe, society, and your inner life, out the window. It's just all coin flips. The thing that I found myself pondering is, you know, because we're talking about two sides of a coin. So we are talking about duality. And that is something that I've been trying to learn about a lot over the last couple of years and the importance of non-duality. Right. However, he, what I found, if I was looking for a theme in his journey, the fact that he had non-duality in the beginning, but he only pulled the coin out for fun. It was a parlor trick. Right. Yeah. And well, so it was. I I I don't know that I would call it a parlor trick. Uh, I I think that that was I. If I had to choose right this second, I would choose Harvey Dent as a one. That's uh, what that, okay. Like yeah, as a reformer, and and not just looking towards the order, but but he would use the coin flip as a way of sort of pulling people into his reformation. Mm-hmm. Like like it it was. It was not necessarily a parlor trick, but it was it was sort of a, I, a misdirect, maybe. Well, and I, I hopefully I didn't misuse the term parlor trick, but what I so I was on the same road as you. Mm-hmm. If, let's say that we're gonna maybe you think that he's a one. That security of let's have some fun with this. You know, let's let's use the example when he flips the coin for whether or not she's gonna try the case. I forget what it was. You know, when they're in court. Oh, right. And, he and again, he knows what the outcome is going to be. It's going to be him. Right. But she's done a good job. He, you know, he's trying to lighten things up. Yeah. And he can because he's prepared. He's ready. He loves her. That's like everything. If, you, if you're one and you want to combine all the things that make you secure, you're prepared. You're on the right side of justice. Mm-hmm. Your girl is there and she loves you and you're there with her. Man, let's. All right, let's, let's bring a little bit of levity to this. Mm-hmm. And so he pulls out the cool coin and do this flip. I know the outcome, but this other person can put a, it'll put a smile on their face. 
and then we're going to get some justice out of this. I think that is the just epitome of oneness. And now we've made this move to, if we were to make a metaphor, I think we could reach for one there, that both sides of that coin are justice, heads and heads. Mm-hmm. Well, now the coin is scratched. And now we're actually going to start with this. We are on the low excess side of one. We're going to flip a coin, and it will either be just or unjust. It will be black or it'll be white, and that's where we're going from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I think, you know, whoever put this script together, I think that's why it's so magical, these two villains together, if we can assume, you know, make the assumption that mm-hmm. they're seven and a one. Mm-hmm. It's because the Joker get the Joker just gets that duality. And he's like, hey, here's your coin, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's make some chaos. You, I, I get where you're coming from. Let's really go through it because because of that line of seven that seven and one share mm-hmm. that that's what I saw was a seven the look the excess of seven and the excess of one mm-hmm. in a room together. Hmm. It's that all knowing side that he knows what buttons to push with the people in front of him. He's clearly psychologically cracked everyone in this movie. There's not maybe Alfred's immune, but <laughs> every everybody is falling. Uh, and the sa- he's the, the sage in a movie. The sage in all epic hero films is always immune, right? So, right. But and the <laughs> like it also speaks to Joker's uh, assumed death wish. Like we yeah. see it over and over again. Like here's a moment where he's like, okay, we'll we'll go down this path where it's black or white, and I'm going to go there fully with you. I am ready to die. If it happens right because now, it's let's win, do win. it. Yep. Yeah. And that's what happens. Uh, Dent flips the coin, and we don't get to see where the coin lands, but we get to see both of their faces, and then we see the Joker walking out of a hospital and blowing it up. <laughs> it's such a great scene. Well, while the Joker is blowing up hospitals, Batman's saving people with a, in his Lamborghini. And then Joker gets on TV Getting to where we need to go is really convoluted, so I'm just going to kind of hit the high points. But he gets on TV, scares everybody in Gotham, tells them that they can't get out of Gotham. He says he's, he's going to unleash chaos on Gotham and uh, beware of the bridge and the tunnels. And so people are fleeing via boat. And this works into his plan. Apparently, he has two boats in mind where he places high explosives in these two boats and leaves a detonator in each of these two boats. Of course, the detonator is not for the boat of uh, that it is found in. It's for a different boat. And you all will know this. There's a wonderful philosophical dilemma that emerges. Hmm. Either blow up the other guy's boat or your boat will get blown up. Go. And the Joker says over the loudspeaker of these two boats, At midnight, I blow you all up. If, however, one of you presses the button, I'll let that boat live. So, who's it gonna be? Harvey Dent's most wanted scumbag collection or the sweet and innocent civilians? You choose. Oh, and you might want to decide quickly because the people on the other boat may not be quite so noble. There's panic noise. There we go. Any thoughts on just this scene that may build on on other elements of low side of five or low side of, yeah. Both low side of five and seven. Yeah. Yeah. And and any number. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think 
again, just using theater to illustrate there it is. the duality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here are the criminals, and then here are the... And wasn't on the other one, weren't they all in, like, tuxedos and stuff? Wasn't it Gotham's finest? It was It was just a, a boat full of normal people. Oh, okay, all right. I, I, I misremember that, my bad. But But either way, it's like, all right, here's... It couldn't just be two boats with normal people deciding... It's here are the criminals, mm-hmm. and here are the people doing everyday life. Yeah, which just theologically, I have a hard time with <laughs> because that is not who that is not what society consists of. Yeah. It's not you know a line in the middle, and here are the criminals and everybody else. Right. So this is coming from someone who this week uh, got rejected and can't get an Airbnb account. So, oh. yeah. So I think the big thing here is. One, again, it's he's trying to prove his point. Mm-hmm. And two, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a plan to blow up both. Like, that's not, it's not the material. It's That's not the end game of mm-hmm. killing people. The whole thing is proving the point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and getting other midnight, people involved in it. Exactly. Yeah. So when midnight hits and it doesn't happen, he doesn't have the switch. He's not blowing them both up. Mm-hmm. So he's got to adapt. He thought it would happen. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to adapt. Two, two things on this. The way that the movie ends has a parallel. Batman's going to take the sins of Harvey Dent on himself and flee. There's a fantastic scapegoat image. The one who looks villainous is actually the most virtuous in the scene. And that's paralleled here with the large black male comes over. You don't want to die, but you don't know how to take a Give it to me. The Indian will kill you and take it anyway. You can tell him I took it by force. Give it to me. And I'll do what you should have did ten minutes ago. He is playing into the expectations. And this is the heroism that we see in Batman at the end of taking, tell everyone else that I killed those people is mirrored here in this man who is making a self-sacrificial play for the sake of everyone else who who don't have the courage to make it, but they should. It's, a, it's such a beautiful scene. The only way to escape, you know, demonic chaos that the Joker is insisting upon is just not to play the game. You can always, for, for, for those on the outside of, of this, you can always refuse to play the game, to not give the showman his attention. Mm-hmm. What happens when the showman doesn't get his attention? He throws a tantrum. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think we've had this conversation around a few different uh, conversations with Sevens. And it is, you know, not giving in to... Suzanne says, I hate this so much. And I hate it so much <laughs> that, it, that you know, it must be true because I hate it so much. But when they want something, that it's like being uh, pecked to death by chicken. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, there's no way I do that. And that is so <laughs> belittling and demeaning. <laughs> and But Can it I, has to be true because I'm so offended by it. I got I to got, I tell you a story. And if your mom listens to this, I love you, Suzanne. But So she comes on our podcast the first time. And we're talking through all the numbers. And we're going around the circle. And we get to ones. And she didn't say this for any of the other numbers. But she got to ones and she goes... Okay, so ones. So Jeff, um, gently, 
uh, very gently. And then she began to, to just deconstruct me in a, <laughs> in a specific way. I think she, she caught my energy. She caught where, where I might have uh, some worthy places to, to elevate for work <laughs> and and she knew them and so but we were going to go there and i was like mystical powers here <laughs> so uh, i'm i i uh, grace upon you that you get to to enjoy someone who can yeah it's figure it, it it's out it's tough man it's it's nice <laughs> it's nice to learn about other people and then when it comes back to your number you're like man Really? That, that, like <laughs> that's how it comes out. Is that? But when you're we, sitting we, there, we were on with an we were on with another Enneagram teacher the other day, and they were talking about how every, every time he goes to an Enneagram conference, the person wants to talk about themselves and their number, which I think is true. One of the things I have I have begun to learn about our podcast is I hate talking about ones now. Yeah, because of that, it's like oh, we've gotten to the spot in our study where. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to have to actually internalize this and work on this. <laughs> it's like, well, what do you, what are your thoughts on the uh, catalyst of change? If you will, you know, so I know for myself as a seven, like I had to come up against the thing that I couldn't reframe mm. to, to come out on the other side and start growing. Uh, she talks about threes. how threes have to have a failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And until they have a failure, they can't really come out on the other side of it and make make the changes that they need in their life because they're so successful. Again, why would you change if, you, if you're successful? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're seven, if life is great, why would you change? Mm-hmm. <laughs> life is great. And uh, I think she's said it for a couple of the numbers too. I don't want to misquote her right here. But I think that is the, that's my question of, all right, what is, what is the turning point? Yeah. Each number, you know, is it, I'm going to make this up right now for a two, you know, the relationship that failed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you realize that, you know, you can't make it. We talk about control being an illusion and how each number's control, the things that they focus on controlling is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if twos, it's about relationships, then when that happens, what, yeah. you know, and so that, I think that's why I was so excited about, coming on with you guys is man i i've hit the excess of seven <laughs> i uh you know i don't know if we've talked about it and we don't need to dive super deep but you know i'm a i've survived suicide like i've survived both a not real suicide attempt and a real suicide attempt mm-hmm. and i've done 90 days at uh and in treatment uh residential treatment center and you know and i'm in recovery and i'm in recovery for life not just for drinking Mm -hmm. that's what i think that's what i that's what i'm really starting to work on in my own work and things that i want to do moving forward is that it's not about you know people that are in aa uh the alcoholism that's a symptom Mm. right of the thing that's the real issue Mm -hmm. and that's what really hits home with me and a lot of people are just trying to n- not drink when that's not the issue. Right. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. issue is your your spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Yep. So all that to say that there, you know, when we when we hear something that really hits home with us, like we're talking about Jeff, of oh that that struck me. What well, that, that sucks, and it's so good yeah. that 
that we can own that that sucked. Mm-hmm. But to dismiss it is the the wrong thing to do. Yeah. So, so sorry, uh, we got way off track. All that was to say, man, I I have been the villain. I've been the the asshole. And I don't think I'm that I, I know that I'm not that person anymore. And so I that's why I'm so happy to talk about the Joker and, yeah. and how he is, he is me and I and him, I am him. And, uh, but we, you know, at any point he could have done something different and I chose to do something different. Mm. Mm. There's a ton going on there. The takeaway. Yeah, so, I'm there, so sorry to get no, so wheels off. I actually that think, was not playing. I think that's a fantastic reflection and two things routinely hit me. One is that obviously you can't exercise demons unless you name them. And Enneagram just does that with efficiency and it's tangible and there's names and there's clarity. And if you have somebody who knows what they're talking about, then that can be when used for good purposes. Cause obviously one of the things I'm real, I want to start asking Enneagram teachers about the Enneagram being used for toxic purposes. Cause I bet you've seen this. I bet you've seen people use this tool in ways that are are not help, healthy or helpful. Like I can see all sorts of folks who they know the system and therefore I know how to manipulate people or create environments that, that feed my own desires because I can control people through, through well, any, yeah. Any question that starts with how do I help so-and-so mm-hmm. I am, how can I not offend so-and-so mm-hmm. or how can I better relate to so-and-so? But both of those, the focus is on me. Mm-hmm. Sure. The questions that come in that, and so we have, let's make up a number. Let's say 12 different ways for people to ask questions Mm -hmm. of Suzanne, Joe, LTM, Joel, whatever. And the questions that are my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my Mm -hmm. sister, my whatever is this number. How can I help them? Mm -hmm. It's like, that's where we're getting off on the wrong foot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you you don't need to help them. How we I had a Enneagram Journey curriculum group this on Monday. Mm-hmm. I host one every Monday, and I, someone that someone was sharing it was an Enneagram eight, and she was sharing about control. And I try I never want to be that person that is you know beating the the blue book of recovery. Hmm. And that being said. I was like, man, I got to read this, but it's about acceptance. And that's the deal is of, you know, when I find things outside of myself unacceptable, then life is not good for me. And until I can accept them to be just how they are, you know, that that is who they are, that is how they are. And I need to work on my response. You know, that's the deal with the Enneagram. You can't change how you see the world, but you can change how you respond to what you see. Right. So when I can accept the world around me the way it is without trying to change it as a seven and respond differently, uh, whether that is bringing up my expectations of myself and who I'd like to be or bringing up the, the bridges to meet these other people where they are, then that's the way to do it. Yeah. But when it is, hey, how can I help so-and-so do something differently? Well, you can't because that's an, the illusion of control. Right. But you can do something with your response to it. Right. Just to tie it back into 
what we're talking about. Yeah. The control that the Joker thinks he has. It's yeah. It's, it's not to be fun. Not not a pun. It's hysterical. Right. You know the control that I think, and at at each turn, the only thing that makes it uh, not hysterical is that he rolls with it. Mm-hmm. So every time yeah. that he thinks he's in control of something, and it changes, he rolls with it, reframes and, it, yeah, and reframes it and makes and makes a new game. Mm-hmm. He changes the rules at every turning point. Mm-hmm. So again, it's all we're not trying to give up control; we're giving up the illusion of control. Yeah, and that I that just really <laughs> hit me recently. That I was like, oh my gosh, that that's so true. We're we're never in control, mm-hmm. but we just need to give up the illusion of being in control. It's a good line. That's a real good line. It's you and me are going to meet in that space. That's my uh, my holy idea for one's going to look something like that. That understanding that God's ordering everything makes my life a whole lot better if I can live in that space. We say that as the two year old is screaming in the background. <laughs> the, the the reframing no ends up being the last scene of the the Joker. He he uh, gets the the Batman to hit him with you know with a weapon, as it were, and he's falling off a building and he's laughing the whole way down, and yet Batman doesn't allow him to die. He catches him with a grappling hook, pulls him up. just couldn't let me go, could you? This is what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. There you go again with divine attributes, all-powerful, all-knowing, they're colliding. You truly are incorruptible, aren't you? This, by the way, just a side note, that, that, that was who Harvey Dent was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the good one, but here it's Somehow Batman has received that incorruptible, that all good image. You won't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self-righteousness. And I won't kill you because you're just too much fun. (laughs) I think you and I are destined to do this forever. You'll be in a better jail forever. Maybe we could share one. But there, there is the image of the reframing. He is hanging by a fish line, as it were, you know, and he is clearly lost. He didn't get to do the, the thing that he wanted to do. You know what might be an, another adventure? Is we could, me and you, we could do this more and more because it's not like you're going to be able to keep me in prison because I'm all-knowing and I'm going to get out. You know what I mean? Well, that's what every, without killing off a superhero or a villain, mm-hmm. They they are tied to each other, and so every Joker ending is reframed. You know the Killing Joke. He's caught, and then he reframes it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Because and that is what what sevens do best. That is the gift. No matter where you are in the movement on the enneagram, and that is you know that's what uh, Suzanne talks about. And hopefully this is not specific to her, but the gift of the enneagram. It is deceptively simple, but just unendingly deep. Yeah, true. And for sevens, that is the gift and the curse. Yeah. And at any at any point, you can reframe it. Mm-hmm. So as a human being who, like we alluded to earlier, has been on the dark side, man, and been in a jail cell, 
reframing life. And on the high side, it's to get you through those dark times. Mm. And on the low side, it's to ignore that you need to change. Mm. And he always goes to ignoring that he needs to change. Yeah. We're going to look at one scene. So we're going to jump from Joker's to Mark Hamill's Joker here since we're wrapping up with the great Heath Ledger. And there is a hint of... there. There's the, the fork in the road. Are you going to deal with your stuff or are you going to reframe? And that comes out in this scene. It's one of the better, more iconic Joker scenes from The Killing Joke here in a minute. But hey, TJ. Yeah. Are, are you a Mark Hamill fan? I wouldn't say fan, but I think he's really good in some of the things that he's in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a... I'm a no, I'm, I'm not a fan fan, but I'm on I'm on the edge. Joel, you may not know this, but I'm presently working on a Star Wars podcast. I got five recordings in the in the can that's gonna start up in January. This is what I'm doing with my quarantine time. <laughs> but the I just love me some Mark Camel. And his performance of the Joker catches so much of the seven elements, the outrageous energy, the routine reframing the uh wanting to live in the happy emotions and when that no longer works and he turns dark it's only for little spits but he does it in such a great way that it gets very aggressive and then he pops back up and uh if you uh, the if you're just anyone who's a batman fan might have will have seen uh the Mask of the Phantasm, which is a Joker story. It's a cartoon where Mark Hamill performs the Joker. But that routine, seven energy, just all over this character. Um, a recent movie, uh, we're just going to look at one scene. Hamill does, uh, it's, it's arguably the most famous comic ever. It's called The Killing Joke, and it's a Joker story. And in it, this Enneagram 7, for a brief moment, is really going to expose their heart. And... I'd, I'm real curious what y'all see here in terms of the seven wrestling, this villainous seven wrestling with identity issues. But um, long story short, they're in a in an abandoned amusement park. Batman is seeking to find the Joker. Um, the Joker has done some awful, awful things to get Batman to pursue him. And as Batman's pursuing him, the Joker is essentially speaking into a microphone throughout the park and monologuing. Let me ask you something. What does it matter if you send me back to the asylum if it doesn't matter to me? I've proven my point. Gordon's been driven mad. I've demonstrated there's no difference between me and everyone else. All it takes is one bad day. That's how far the world is from where I am. Just one bad day. You had a bad day once, am I right? Oh, I know I am. I can tell. You had a bad day and everything changed. Dressing up like a flying rat doesn't hide it, it screams it. You had a bad day and it drove you as crazy as everybody else, only you won't admit it. You have to keep pretending that that makes sense, that there's some point to all this struggling. You make me want to puke. I mean, what is it with you? What made you what you are? Girlfriend killed by the mob, maybe? Brother carved up by some mugger? Something like that, I know. Because something like that happened to me. 
Sometimes I remember it one way, sometimes another. If I'm going to have a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice. My point is, I went crazy. I'm going to stop there. Anything pop for y'all on the seven front? For me, the biggest seven line was that last line. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to have a past, I prefer multiple choice. I think in my experience and from what I've heard of other people's relationships with sevens, that when referring to the past, it is what they want to make it. It is what suits their needs. Mm. In that whole dialogue, Joker says, you know, he says, what, a girlfriend killed by the mob, something else? I know because it's happened to me. So he's saying, hey, it, it could have been this, and I chose to go this way with it. And I'm saying that that is that what happened to you, and that's what chose you chose to go the other way? Like, he, he is saying in his story that these things happen, and then we can we can choose to do with it what we want to do. Mm-hmm. He chose to go the Joker route. He's asking the Batman, what is it and what made you choose to go that way? Because, and this is where I think this is also the epitome of that line with five. He's try- he, I think he is sincerely trying to understand it. Mm. He needs to understand why. And th- that goes to, that's probably said in how many Joker movies and shows. Why are you the way you are? Hmm. Because yeah. that's what he wants. That's that is at the core of it. What he wants to know. Talk about think, that with sevens in terms of. I want to understand the other guy, but he's not turning his eyes inward on himself. Because when he does, he gets a lot of. Well, he wants to reframe. Yeah, he wants to remember it very different ways. Yeah, I think that. Well, I think that what we're talking about here is that shadow of five. Mm-hmm. It is that he thinks he has the answer. And he wants to hear it from the other party that he is one side of the coin of that this thing happened and I went wheels off. But you also are just one millisecond, Mm -hmm. one hair from going wheels off as well, Mm -hmm. that we are the same. And what's it going to take if girlfriend being killed by the mob didn't do it? What will it take? Because you and I are the same. And so his whole drive is pursuing that. But but it's all about the not opinion because he can't be convinced otherwise. Belief. Or else, like like firm yeah. belief, yeah. Yeah. Conviction. That he that he is right yeah. about this. And so he's gonna keep going down that until uh he until he gets that answer. And I think that is the the quintessential five and seven, you know, just, it's just awful. When it's combined for bad reasons on the shadow side, on the low side, then it is tunnel vision. Don't care about the facts that are coming from everywhere. Mm. It is only trying to prove what you're trying to prove, and you can't be proved otherwise. Mm. That And that is where the gift of reframing will always be the ace in the hole for the Joker. Mm-hmm. He'll be proved wrong, and he'll reframe it. Yeah, and stay focused on his uh, his goal and his task and his sole mission. When we talked about that quite a bit with um, when we were talking about Ledger and the scars, 
is that like he he has a different story every time he is in a different setting and it's almost like he he's remembering a different story that serves the purpose right now. Yeah, I'd I'd prefer multiple choice. Yeah. I think that that for sevens is unavoidable. I think acknowledging it as a reality is healthy. Sure. You know, I don't I could come up with three different scenarios that happened last Thanksgiving. I don't know which one's true because I don't think about mm, the past. Sure. Yeah. But acknowledging, you know, when someone else says that's not what happened, acknowledging that, you know what, they're probably right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a thing. good story, wasn't it? Exactly. <laughs> you know, but that's the, I think that's unavoidable for sevens. It's acknowledging that you don't know what really happened. Yeah. Is the high side. The scene ends with Joker getting thrown out a window. He pulls out a gun. He aims at, at the Batman. This is going to be it. And, and a pin comes out with a flag that says bang on it. And Joker looks at it. And he's, it's like, oh, man. And he throws the gun to the side. Go ahead. I laughed out loud just for the yeah, record, right? too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then... Batman has changed in this comic. He's come to a place and he says, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want either of us to end up killing the other. But we're running out of alternatives. Maybe we could work together. I could rehabilitate you. You don't need to be alone. We don't have to kill each other. Let me help you. And this is in the comic to end. Joker says, I'm sorry, but no. No, it's far too late for that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. This reminds me of a joke. And then he tells a joke. The reframing, the... Riso and Hudson have a, a picture of um, fear and grief at the center of the heart of a seven and that all of their energy is going outward, away from the whatever that is in their, their inner life. Whereas fives are fearing all the things that are out there, and so they withdraw in order to feel safe. It's the opposite for sevens. And I was hoping you could talk about that. Yeah, I think that is why sevens are part of the aggressive stance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is the, the matter of control. So fives withdraw away from where they think the control is, and that's their way to control their own fear. Sevens don't withdraw. They reframe and then become the, you know, literally in this sense, become the narrator. Hmm. He's like, oh, let me, uh, let me go ahead and take the, take the microphone. Mm -hmm. That's what a seven does. And Suzanne and other people talk about for the fear triad, five, sixes, and sevens, that one externalizes it, externalizes the fear, mm -hmm. one internalizes it, and the other one avoids it. Mm-hmm. And for sevens, they, they're the ones that avoid the fear. Mm -hmm. uh, I am not a fan. The reason why I started getting excited about the whole image of a mask with grief and fear on it. I am not a huge fan of the image of sevens as the happy clown. Mm. Because I don't believe that to be what it is. Sure. And I think that is the surface, you know, if you were to get the most cheap of throw pillows for the anagram seven, it would be the happy clown. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what it is. I, I think that 
it is what you described, that that mask is what's underneath whatever is on the front, that the things that sevens are running from are grief and fear. And then what we experience with the Joker is a fixation on a distraction. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there it is. And so he's not addressing either. He has two. He has those in spade. He has grief. And, you know, every origin story of the Joker has just all sorts of things that need to be grieved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's because this character is amazing, not because of how they got to where they are. It's the their reaction to how they got to where they are is what's interesting. It's because he's being so violent in order to avoid dealing with the past. Yeah, it's got he's got war yeah. pain on. <laughs> and so it's the yes we talked about the war pain. Yeah, so we've got you know all the things that that he is afraid of, and that he has not grieved. But instead of addressing those two things, he puts on the war paint and does this other bit. Yep. To make himself feel happy or feel better, and to put on the world what he thinks the world should feel, mm-hmm. and that is the the card of the seven. Mm-hmm. Let's just all feel better. Let's not acknowledge mm-hmm. the you know the most unhealthy seven stuff is you know people still this year will have Christmas have Thanksgiving as if Thanksgiving was a uh, you know that that myth that we've been told. Right. Hey, it's yeah. it's the Indians and the Pilgrims. That's Thanksgiving. Every unhealthy seven is going to hit that home uh, mm-hmm. in two weeks mm-hmm. or next week. Yeah, why would why would we want to deal with with all this this dark ugly stuff? That's no fun. Let's go do let's let's do something that's invigorating and enjoyable. And dude, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's Magnetic. what and it and it's such a bummer. It mm-hmm. right. It's such a bummer. Yep. But that is what the Joker does underneath the war paint and the clown makeup. Is grief and grief and fear, but it's not yeah. sad. Mm. He's not yeah. sad. He's avoid, and that's that's the big that's the big miss. You got thoughts on that, TJ? And then I'll transition. I think it, it, there's also like you mentioned this before the the stubbornness of the seven, and and this moment is is a perfect reflection of that. Like he's someone is is reaching out a hand of compassion and saying. Let's get you better. Let's stop running away from fear and grief. And he says, nah, that's too hard. I'm not going to do that. Well, I think you um, you hit a, a, a huge key point. It's not that it's not too hard. It's that seven stubbornness of not accepting help. Yep. Sevens are up for a challenge. Look, Oh, my gosh, look at the Joker. Yeah. The dude loves mm-hmm. a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't want your help. Yeah. In every Joker thing, he does it alone, and he's the boss. Is there something there, Joel, at the high side of one for you when things get so bad that you're entering stress, but if you enter stress at a high side, you do say to yourself, I need to get my life under control and ordered? Here is what, I don't know, comparable to the Joker and the scenario. Here's what the high side of one looks like for me. First of all, we don't have to be stressed to take on the high traits of one. Mm-hmm. With that non-judgmental self-observation, the things that we need to do life better, I can be a better seven with the high traits of one. And if I can bring those into my everyday life, the high side of one for me is looking not at other people as the problem, but looking at my role 
in my actions and where I can do better. Not that I've just totally s the bed, but just like, all right, what what is my role in this? Mm. I think that is the high side of one. I think ones ones are always looking for the blame, whether it is with somebody else, with themselves. They want to know where the blame lies. A seven, the blame is always outside of themselves. Yeah, that that constant reframing is like there's there's always a way out the door. Yeah, yeah. So so one is hey where what role do I have to play here? And then the thing that I've talked with my Enneagram group about recently was the key of bringing up your support center. And for a seven, that is doing, and for a one. They're dominant doing. Mm. And so my the thing that I'm working with in my own personal life is when I focus on doing and don't focus on trying to bring up feeling because that is just damn near impossible. Mm. And thinking is just the entire deck. So what if I just focus on doing, doing the things that need to be done based on what I consider priorities and the things that are important in my life? That automatic, I like to uh, use the uh, analogy or the metaphor or image of a a seesaw. Mm. So if thinking is on one end and feeling is on the other and doing is in the middle, if I can just get closer to the middle, then automatically my feeling is going to come up Mm. because I'm doing things for the people that I love Mm -hmm. and for the job that I care about and for the big picture things that are important to me and for your and own personal growth. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and all of that is the doing is getting outside of myself. Right. You know, the idea that uh humankind will soon, we, all of our thoughts and our like consciousness will be transmitted into a chip. Mm-hmm. And then that will be our new consciousness mm. that I'm like, man, that, that kind of sounds cool. And that's the super most unhealthy side and unrealistic. But that is how heady I am of like, okay, I like to think about things. And I like to think about how things could be and how things will be and things that won't be, but that would be cool if they were that. And all of that, as I know people listening aren't seeing my arm go higher and higher and higher and higher. (laughs) But here's feeling down here on that seesaw. Yeah. But if I do i can't do based on all these things that are never going to happen right but i can do based on the things that will happen because i'm doing them and i'm doing them because they're the things that are important to me and by doing that i'm bringing other people in and i'm bringing up my feelings and the feelings that i have for other human beings and so that is what for me the greatest gift of going to one gives is that ones are dominant doers well, it's also it's also present focused. Yeah, like like bringing that bringing out of constantly looking twelve steps ahead and like doing is has to be in right now too. Doing is in the moment. Yeah, exactly. There's no again. It's not a it's not an idea if you're doing it. Right. Our last Joker is one Jack Nicholson. In the movie, he we could see his origin. He gets shot in the face and pu- pushed into a uh, or falls into a big green tank of toxic waste. Is it's it acid. acid? Yeah, Axis chemical. Takes care of his uh, skin, bleaches it, turns his hair green. Uh, he knows that his boss, 
when what's his first name? I don't know. It's Grissom. Is it it's a mob Jack. Bond. No, his Jack name is, is Jack. Jack Napier is uh, Joker's name. Yeah, but it was uh, anyway. He goes back to his boss's office up in the elevator, who who is celebrating. He has killed one of his henchmen, who was a romantic rival. Here's the elevator ding. That you, sugar bumps? He looks over. It's this silhouette of uh, the Joker. Who the hell are you? It's me, Sugar Bumps. Oh, oh, thank God you're alive. I heard you've been fried. Is that what you heard? And tension is going up. Because we also know that Grissom sent Jack there to get killed. He is a fall guy in this. Yep. Grissom set him up. I love this from a seven. If we assume that the Joker, the, the, the character of the Joker is a seven, just across all these characters, he cracks here and is furious at the person who set him up to be killed. And now he's scarred for life. You set me up over a woman. A woman! Must be insane. (laughs) Jack knows that Grissom's going to go for a gun. Don't bother. Your life won't be worth spit! I've been dead once already. It's very liberating. You should think of it as uh, therapy. <laughs> Jack, listen. Maybe we can cut a deal. Jack, Jack is dead, my friend. You can call me Joker. And as you can see, I'm a lot happier. That is some like next level reframing. It seems to me in terms of if you were just to play out this guy's story as a mobster who gets severely scarred and injured, what are we going to do with this? You can call me Joker. And as you can see, I'm a lot happier. You guys got thoughts on that? The things, the two things that I had written down, one is when a seven gets crossed, there's not a whole lot of room for redemption. I know that's kind of tied with eights, but, you know, the whole once you're betrayed, then it's done. Mm -hmm. I don't think sevens are far from that. I know that that I'm that way, and I'm not proud of it, and it's something that I know I have to work on because because of the gift of reframing of, all right, well, onward and upward, and people get left behind that way, especially people, oh, my gosh, because we just talked about how um, the low side of seven is placing blame elsewhere that they don't look at their own faults on things. So they just move forward thinking, all right, well, I, you know, this person did this and I'll move forward mm. and I'll be fine. So in this scenario and in, I think the low side of every Enneagram seven scenario, they leave people behind. They are, you messed up. You crossed me. You lied about me. You, didn't believe in me. It's as little as that. You didn't believe in me. Mm. You know, whatever it is, you were not aligned with me and I'm going to move forward. Well, to that, to that point, like, like thinking about, I, I love the, the comparison of that sort of like revenge thing, but in the seven way, like, like on the other side of eight, I also 
fully understand that that idea of revenge but for me it's not left behind it's it's i i create a barrier between me and that person but the other person doesn't know it because i don't want to fight about it so i actually withdraw and in the same way i separate myself from people who have wronged me but it's a it's it's a nine way instead of a, an eight way or a seven way. Whereas the eight way is very aggressive and, and vengeful. The seven way is, is leaving behind, but the, uh, in the, in the, the idea of the reframing, it's also like, like here is someone who is a murdering mobster who works for a murdering mobster <laughs> with whom he was having like who was having an affair with said mobster's girlfriend and he's super mad that the <laughs> murdering mobster set him up to be a fall guy like like the reframe there is is so depthy like you are a bad guy who worked for a bad guy who you betrayed and you're mad that he betrayed you like there's there's nothing but reframe there and that's what that at the end of the day that's quintessential 7 mm-hmm. it is my reality is my reality and everyone else i need everyone else to fit in it instead mm. of me fitting in the world around me everyone else has to fit in my world mm. and without doing any sort of work or recognition of that that's what 7s do they're the victim the, he, he, like you just said, he's a murdering mobster. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Who is the victim? <laughs> Explain that. You know, you, right. only a seven can. And and only a seven does. And moves forward. Yeah. Shoots Grissom dead. Laughs the whole time. Takes over his And office. like we were talking about with uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, who shoots the gun behind him, like we talked about that a couple yeah. of times. Like this is, he's just just firing willy-nilly. Like that, well, that gun is, and like he even like goes over his shoulder a couple of times. Yeah, it's the excessiveness. Mm-hmm. It, oh, you, it, sh- be a showman and be excessive. Yep. Mm. Don't just eat a cheeseburger. Eat the greatest cheeseburger that there is. Mm-hmm. Don't put one bullet. None of them ever put one bullet. No Joker has ever killed a man with one shot. Right. <laughs> he empties the clip. <laughs> yeah. In this uh, particular movie, uh, it's not enough to just empty the clip. He needs to have a gun with a five-foot-long barrel as well. Right. The showman so side of the end of this movie is fantastic on that. They oh, Let's have a parade. There's only one person I know personally in my life who wanted to create a parade. He was a seven. He is yeah. a seven. <laughs> totally was. Yeah. The I'm going to create a parade so that I can poison the entire city is... Uh, <laughs> The sh- the showman element there. Um, last word on on uh, Nichol- Nicholson's Joker. I mean, I think that what is portrayed really well in that scene is the darkness of it. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like it wasn't. Um, it was all so dark. Everything else mm-hmm. is going to be bright colors mm-hmm. when he's able to. Yeah, it's again that small. When you move into the dark emotions, it's real dark, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, exactly. That's what. Yeah. That's what I'm aiming at. Yeah. Of, you know, he starts talking to him, and it, and there's no, and there's no talking. Mm. Like he's trying to talk to him. 
Yep. And uh, he, um, the Joker's not hearing a word you're saying. Mm. Right? And it's also dark. And the decision, when a seven makes their mind up about something, it's done. There's no turning back. Mm-hmm. Right. And he comes in there, and it's so dark. And at any stage, there's no, there's no rewinding. There's no do-overs. The decision's been made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there are, I think that's the, that what we saw in the last clip, you know, when Batman tries to save the Joker, he's mm-hmm. like, nope, we've, we're already here. We're not going back. Mm-hmm. Right. There's at no point is the Joker going to change his course. Yeah. And that is the, and uh, TJ, you talked about that, the stubbornness of a seven. It's detrimental to the point of death that mm-hmm. there's no changing course once they've made up their mind. It's, and right. it's, and it's truly, it truly can mean death, and it is truly sad. Mm. Yeah, is that true for all the idealists for ones, fours, and sevens? Once they've made their minds up, I feel that with I can make that case for ones and sevens that there wouldn't be moving off that point in the same way. Uh, just being just thinking about it right now. Um, I think yes, but it manifests in ways that are specific to the idealists. Like the the seven, it there's there's a path. Yeah. Once they decide on something, they're on a path. Yeah. Once it's a it's a it's a a way that they like what is right and wrong. Yep. You're willing to go down with that ship. It's the path the right and wrong. I don't know what it would be for fours. This is my romantic vision. If it doesn't come about, then then I'll, I'm willing to go down with the boat. Or um, like I'm thinking about the way that, that many fours are unwilling to consider the Enneagram because of the re- reductive nature of it. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it doesn't matter if there are things about it that are true. It's too reductive to be useful. My favorite line or quote from any participant of a group that I've been a part of or on the Micah Center is this guy. His name is Trey. He's an Enneagram 4. Uh, hopefully he hears this at some point. I don't know. He was talking about, you know, they were talking about fours being understood. And he said, here's the deal. If you tell me that you understand me, I know you don't understand me. Mm. And now I've written you off. Yeah, the fact that you think you understand me shows me how much you don't, un- how you don't get it. Yeah. So you know, for him as a four, saying that you don't understand is better than I, I get it. I get it. No, yeah. you don't get it. Yeah, and you don't get me. Yeah. It was just it really at home. Mm. Gentlemen, got a last word on uh, villainous sevens. Man, for me, I just. For sevens that are out there, the Joker is in you, and the Batman is also in you. Mm. The only way for me to be happy and to be the seven that I want to be, I don't want to be a one, and I don't want to be a five. Mm. I want to be a seven. Mm -hmm. I think healthy seven is the coolest number that there is, and I wouldn't want to be anything else than a healthy seven, and I get to be that sometimes. And the only way for me or for anyone to get to do that is to acknowledge. You You mentioned it, Jeff. If you don't name uh, that other side, then it's going to get you. If you don't name the, 
the darkness, the thing, if we don't put a name to the things that we don't get right, then they're going to end up, it's going to end up running the show. Mm-hmm. So just owning that, you know what? I can be dualistic. I can be dark. I can be inappropriate. I can be selfish. Name everything that the Joker is. I can be that. By naming that, I don't become the Joker because the Joker doesn't understand that he's all those things. Hmm. There it is. Last word, Teach. I got nothing to say that's better than that. Bang. Friends, it would mean the world to us if you'd pause, take two seconds, write us a brief review, and give us some stars on your podcasting platform of choice. Um, Joel, where can they uh, find your work? You can find me on Instagram at Joel N. Stabile. N is in Nathan. That's my middle name. And you can find all the work that I do for Life in the Trinity Ministry at lifeinthetrinityministry.com or Life in the Trinity Ministry on social media. And I also do the majority of uh, the Anagram Godmother's work on social media, just kind of conveying her words and putting it in graphic form out there. Uh, so if you are into the Anagram, follow Suzanne Stabile. Joel is a fantastic foundation for all of that s- stuff. And uh, it's I, I'm sure TJ would agree that in, in our minds that's the not only the first place to start, but it's often the best place to, to sit in terms of uh, Anagram work that's out there. Um, with the exception of us. I mean, we're pretty good. <laughs> we, we, we do some <laughs> we're trying to catch up uh, you can find the links to all of our stuff at aroundthecircle.org shout outs on Twitter and Instagram are always appreciated but the best thing you can do is share this episode with somebody that you love our music is by The Collection at Greensboro, North Carolina and uh, who does the Dark Knight music? we did this last time it's Hans, uh, Hans Zimmer. Zimmer Hans Zimmer is bringing the pain with whatever that two stringed joker distorted instrument is that uh, he had to play like 20 hours worth of that (laughs) (laughs) well uh before we sign off you got anything else teach i got nothing he's joel stabile he's got the most enneagram training of anyone on planet earth and he's tj wilson he's officially awesome and i'm jeff cook and who you aren't isn't interesting be who you are because that's where the gold is 